0: You know, there is a big world out there, and it's so very easy to get locked into our own stories and what's going on right now in our own small corner of the world. And the greatest thing to me about travel is it's so liberating. You take a journey, it's a physical journey, but it is also an emotional journey. Don't be afraid to travel, don't be afraid to travel on your own, and don't be afraid to start small. Travel is worth it, whether you go 50 miles down the road, five miles down the road,
1: 5,000 miles across the world. Do it. Welcome. This is your host, award-winning travel journalist and content creator, Jeff Jenkins. And you're now listening to Inspired 2022, the podcast for entrepreneurs, creatives, and the highly motivated goal to be inspired. This includes Y-O-U. We have an amazing show for you today. So Genevieve, take it away.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Today, I'm excited to welcome Sarah Greaves Gabadon to Inspire 2022. Sarah, also known as Jet Set Sarah, is a travel writer, on-screen host, and self-described caravangelist who goes to the beach and beyond to share the culture, lifestyle, and personalities of the Caribbean with the world. Based in Miami, she's a special correspondent for Travel and Leisure magazine and creates content for a variety of outlets.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am excited to have my friend on today, Sarah Greaves Gabadon from Jet Set. Sarah Yay. Thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's a
0: pleasure to be with you, even if we're in a screen and not in the same place, but that's okay.
1: Sure. It's been two years now of us like connecting with each other, Yes, and we still have not seen each other in person. One yes. day we'll make that happen. We will. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm excited that you're here. Like You just have a wealth of knowledge. I just love just seeing your journey, everything that you've been going through through the years. I just wanted to touch on some of that. Like, really, I feel like our audience needs to hear your message, hear your journey and your story. So, like, what actually got you into travel?
0: Well, you know, I did a degree in hotel management because as a little girl, I was born in England, but I lived in Jamaica. And as a child, I used to spend my Saturdays at this hotel in Kingston called the Pegasus. And it's still there now, but it was like the fanciest hotel in town. And it's where the British Airways flight attendants would stay when they were overnighting with the London flights. Mm-hmm. And so I would see them on Saturdays strutting into the lobby in their, you know, high heels and little pillbox hats and their red, white and blue uniforms. And I thought that they would the most glamorous creatures on earth. Mm. And I thought that the ladies who worked at the front desk at the Pegasus were also equally glam. And I just thought to me, travel just seemed like so glamorous and hotels seemed like just this special world where everybody smelled good, looked good, and was coming from fabulous places. And I thought I need to be a
1: part of this. Wow. I love that. And so when did you actually move to the States?
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of a complicated story. So um, (laughs) my father is originally from Jamaica. My mother's from Barbados, but they met in England where I was born. Mm -hmm. But then my whole life, we kind of went backwards and forwards between England and Jamaica. My father would do three-year contracts. So we went backwards and forwards, backs and forwards. And I went to college in England. And then I moved back to Jamaica and started work. And at first, I was in travel PR. I worked for Sandals in another life in their corporate PR office. And then I switched over to the editorial side and I've been writing about travel and living between Jamaica and then moving to the States since
1: 2003. Wow, I love it. And you are uh, a self-described caravangelist, yes. uh, or educator and lover of the Caribbeans or Caribbeans. Um, either way,
0: either way yep, is correct. Yep, yep,
1: yep. What do you wish more travelers knew about or explored in the Caribbean? And are there parts of the islands that are underrated?
0: Oh, yes. Okay. So the first thing I want people to understand is, yes, the Caribbean has beautiful beaches, you know, all of that. But it's so much more. The islands are not all the same. So when I say I call myself a evangelist, and that's because I like to spread the gospel of the Caribbean. Come on. To me, the gospel of the Caribbean is that the islands are not the same. And they're more than just beaches. They're diverse. They're so rich culturally. And, you know, when you go to the Caribbean, you know, it's nothing wrong with lying on the beach and having a margarita in your hand, but I, I want you to do more than that. I want you to get up off your chaise at least one day and explore the country and get to know the people because the Caribbean has such a rich culture. It's a diverse topography. You know, the languages are different. The people are different. The food is different. The music is different. It's re- a really rich area. And so I really want people to explore.
1: Yes. Just being a uh, a young man born and raised in Florida being able to experience multiple Caribbean cultures because yeah, yeah. a lot of my friends have moved to like the state of Florida. And so like, I got, I love Jamaican mm-hmm. food. I tell people that all the time. Well, good. Now, yes, it's what's it's literally my job? favorite. Uh, what is your favorite thing? Oxtails. Oh, oxtails and then a patty. That's all I need. <laughs> you know? No, I got to ask but,
0: you a question. The most important question. As far as patties go, are you team tasty or are you team juicy? Because you know they're juicy patties and they're tasty patties, two different brands. I want tasty. Gotta pick a tasty. Well it. done. You pick. You pick, you pick the right.
1: <laughs> and so, right. And, and, and for God. our listeners, a lot of people don't even know. Like, I, I, there's times where I've been like, "Oh, I want a Jamaican beef patty," and mm-hmm. people thought I was making that up. It's almost an empanada in a way, uh, yes, or but turnover. Better,
0: but better people. Better. The, yes, yes.
1: It's, it's ten times better. It's, yes. it's my favorite any kind of like bread and meat and a little pastry like it is i always
0: say i always say to people that the patty is to jamaica kind of like the burger is to the states you know it's portable it's cheap everybody eats it everybody has a favorite simple but so so good and there's nothing i agree with you jeff there's nothing like a tasty patty that is the original patty since 1966 jamaica is a lot of things but one of the things jamaica is not is consistent and the only thing in Jamaica that I can tell you that is consistent is the tasty patty. Because since 1966, no matter where you buy it, it tastes the same.
1: And it is it's always good. It definitely mm-hmm. is. And that is very mm-hmm. true. We went on this whole tangent on, on these patties. But I'm not going to lie. I was here in Austin. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm excited. I was like, because literally, like you said, like even, even in the States, I can yes. find a lot of patties that taste exactly the same. And Mm -hmm. I tried one here and I was like, what is this? I didn't even call it a patty. So I was like, I won't ever go back to that place. All the way. So one thing I wanted to mention is that through your years of just writing and talking about the the Caribbeans and exploring the Caribbeans, I've noticed a less Black Americans visiting the islands, but also I see it in like the marketing and the ads and like the write-ups are usually not from people of color. And it's usually the people that are on the as and and the marquees are usually like white families. Have you noticed that? Oh, absolutely.
0: And I think, you know, it's, it's a very interesting topic that could bring up Jeff and very, um, very timely because Mm. here's the thing to understand Caribbean tourism, you have to understand a basic, but unpleasant fact, which is that the roots of Caribbean tourism are in colonialism. Mm. You know, when, the colonists came over to the islands and they set up their plantations with enslaved Africans. When they had people visit them from England, those first people were essentially the first tourists to the Caribbean, right? And so the Caribbean started out as being this sort of quaint, charming playground for rich white people from England to come over and have a good time, right? And be waited on hand and foot by black people. And one could argue that, We're still seeing that happen just in, obviously, we don't have slavery anymore, thank God. But, you know, there are still vestiges of that colonial history and of slavery in the way the entire tourism is set up. And it's not pleasant. It's not something we like to talk about in the Caribbean. But I am from the Caribbean. I feel confident in talking about it. And I've just written an article about it, actually, that will appear in Travel and Leisure in March. But, you know, we have so many remnants of that legacy in today's tourism. So when you tell me, yes, you look at the marketing materials and you see white people as tourists, black people as workers in a servile position, it's really quite shocking and disappointing, I think, that 200 years after slavery, we are still perpetuating this kind of trope as we know black people travel and spend billions of dollars all over the world and so do white people yes but you know it's not always white people coming to be waited upon black people in the Caribbean I agree with you it's just it's something that makes me sad to see and that I hope that we can become more aware of and from that awareness move away from it because it's First of all, you know what? From a business point of view, it's not a good idea, is it? Neither you nor I want to go somewhere where we don't feel comfortable or we don't feel like we see other people who look like us or we're not treated with respect. That's not to say that we don't do it in the Caribbean, but we definitely need to modernize our marketing. Yes. Definitely.
1: You mentioned a stat earlier. uh, The Black Travel Alliance put out a survey or put out a report that said that $109 billion dollars was spent on Black travel with Black travelers. And it was, I think it was about $123 billion was spent worldwide. That's a, a significant amount of money being spent.
0: Exactly. For no other reason, even if it's only about money. You know, it's smart for destinations now to look at their marketing mm-hmm. and really be more inclusive. And certainly there are certain destinations, Bermuda, for example, which technically isn't Caribbean, it's in the Atlantic, but we claim it. Bermuda is very good at having people of all different colors in their marketing. You will see black people are, are tourists in their marketing, mm-hmm. and that's what we need to see more of, really, across the board. Because I think in a, for a lot of the Caribbean countries, we're still playing by the same marketing playbook that we've used since 1974, which came from the one from
1: 1954. So we need to step it up. Questions for you, even through your like journey and. In- for your success and everything that you have been able to acquire uh, through the years. Have you ever um, experienced discrimination within the travel industry? Hmm.
0: I think it has been more subtle. I am not aware that I have ever experienced blatant racism. That I could tell you now, I have a story of when X happened to me. Unfortunately, as m- most Black people have to do, things happen, and you have to wonder: Is this person just bad at customer service, or are they racist? You know, which is, for sure, <laughs> it's a sad thing. So there have been times when you know I've been in a line for something and not been seen to as fast as I felt I should have been, or a white person was seen before me, or I get a lot of assumptions. So I'll be at a hotel at a, you know, a pricey, fancy resort. Another guest, usually white, will come up to me. And if it's in a black country and they will ask me like, you know, where's the bathroom or can I get an extra empanada or whatever? And I will have to say, I have no idea. I don't work here. And then, of course, they're very embarrassed. But yes, but people assume, oh, if you're black, you can't possibly be a guest here. You must be working. So things like that. For sure. I think it's, in my experience, thankfully, I suppose, it's been more subtle, never overt. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's more in the assumptions that they make about me before I open my mouth or before they know who
2: I am and what I'm doing there. Wow. Wow. This episode is brought to you by the Cardia Advisory Group. Is your organization or brand struggling with how to attract, develop, and support culturally diverse teams? Perhaps you are the owner, tenured executive, or a rising leader who wants to ensure equity and inclusion but have no idea what to do or where to start. At Cardia, they specialize in helping organizations create inclusively diverse spaces where people thrive. Cardia Advisory Group is a Black owned, woman of color led firm that prioritizes institutional transformation and individual activation. Change is both possible and sustainable when industry leaders are willing, equipped, and committed to a new future. Book your consultation today at cardiaaustin.com. Cardia Advisory Group, engineering inclusively diverse cultures one leader at a time.
1: Just as a seasoned writer, what got you to just like that passion to actually want to write? Um, It never gets old when you have an idea,
0: an idea that doesn't exist anywhere else but in your head. And then you think to yourself, I really want to write about this. And you write a story and you sell the story and you see that story in print and online and it's real. It's amazing. It really is amazing because travel is my passion. And that's something I've always known, but I realize it all the more with the pandemic when we were not able to travel. And I realized that the sadness and the malaise I was feeling was not just because I couldn't step on a plane, but it honestly felt like I had lost a part of me. And I realized just what a big part of my life travel is. So it's really a blessing to be able to take people along with me through social media on my, you know, Jet Set Sarah Instagram feed or Facebook it's an honor to be able to share that with like readers of Travel and Leisure or Condé Nast Traveler or Islands. It's just so great that I get to do something that I have a passion about and make a living from it.
1: So young Sarah, is young Sarah ever think that this or she would end up being?
0: Funny you ask that because my parents tell me that the first thing I ever wanted to be was a pilot. I don't even remember that, but they told me oh. that when I was like three or four. I said, I wanted to be a pilot. I remember wanting to be an actress, but, <laughs> but but my first memory, Jeff, is of being like three years old, being in the plane for the first time with my mother flying from England to Jamaica. And I looked out the window and I saw the clouds and I said, oh my God, mommy, 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 the clouds are upside down. Because as a child, you know You always look up to see the clouds. And I looked out the window and they were below me. And it was like, wow, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So like I say, that's my very first memory of life. So really it was destined that I would end up jetting all around the world and being Jet Set Sarah. Who knows?
1: I love it. I love it. And for a lot of people, people don't realize that like we do this full time and we've been blessed to be in a career where it's, it seems like we're on vacation all the time. <laughs> right. It's
0: and definitely worth that, more- it. that's the thing. I think that's how we know that we're doing. I think you're doing your job right if people think that it is, you know, all margaritas and sunsets, um, but it is tough. It is work, and you know I'm making it look easy. I'm making it look like oh, I spent my day with this beautiful cocktail in my hand. But you know, as you know, Jeff, you know you're running from here to there, trying to get content, trying to interview somebody, trying to get a great shot. You know, it's not easy. But would I
1: do anything else? Nah, this is it for me. I love it. I love it. What is one of your proudest moments in your travel or in your writing journey? Hmm.
0: Well, I remember living in Jamaica and we would get magazines. The magazines from the States would come. Some would come weekly, but some, most would come once a month. And I, would, I knew the day when the, the magazines would get delivered to the pharmacy. And I was always a big reader. So I would go on a Wednesday because that's when they came into Fontana Pharmacy. And I would devour Travel and Leisure magazine. And which has been around for, I think, 50 years now, a long time, real legacy publication. And so last year, when I became a special correspondent for the magazine and I was on the masthead, that's a really big deal for me to be part of that legacy, to be part of that brand. That makes me really
1: proud. I think we were in in one of them together. I have one of our uh, books here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Travel and Leisure. I love they're like family now. And I think we definitely were in one of the uh, magazines together. Yes,
0: yeah, we were last year, for sure, for sure. <laughs> definitely yeah, so that a was, a big, was a big moment, yeah.
1: You said recently, actually, in, in one of the Washington Post uh, 13 travel resolutions for 2022, uh, that you were determined to finally travel to Africa this year. Yes,
0: yes. Can you tell yes. us more about
1: why it's important for you to visit uh, there this year?
0: Yeah,
1: you know... I
0: am 55 years old Mm -hmm. and I have never set foot. Thank you. But I have never set foot on the continent of Africa. I have to say it's only recently, I would say like in the last three or four years that I felt like, you know, there's something missing. I've had that desire now. And it started with, you know, I did the DNA testing with Ancestry.com. You know, I remember the day I got the results, I kind of went down a rabbit hole because, of course, like most Black people, there's I have ancestors all over the world, not just in Africa, but definitely West Africa, the greatest majority was either Togo or Benin, which, as you know, the um, it's a West African, two West African countries, and the borders have changed a lot. So that's why ancestry can't tell you whether it's Togo or Benin. So I went down this rabbit hole and I decided that I must be from Benin, those are my people because apparently even though it's hot as hell in Benin they love long sleeves and they love long jackets long sleeve jackets and let me tell you something I live in Miami I have about 60 jackets I'm like oh this is why it's in my DNA the was people must be my people we just love a jacket and so I'm determined I would love to go to Benin that would be my first choice but West Africa is my second choice and anywhere in Africa is my third choice. But I really am interested to know, like, for example, I can look at someone usually and say, oh yeah, they look Jamaican, right? I can be in the mall here in Miami and look at someone's features and think, oh yeah, yeah, they look Jamaican. So I wonder if when I go to Benin or Togo or wherever I go, Will I experience a familiarity? Will I feel at home? Will people recognize me in a way? I'm I'm really intrigued to know that. I really, really want to go with
1: this. Wow. Season. Before literally the the weekend before I moved to Austin, we had like a family reunion. We found the slave manifest of my third wow. grandmother, and she was Congolese. Really? And so I've been to Rwanda, which borders part of Congo, mm-hmm. and people said that I look Congolese, Rwandan. So that to me was just like very, very uh, interesting. It it brought so much like pride. And I was like, hey, these people look like me. And I I would, I would recommend anybody go to Africa, but definitely um, black people. I I definitely will recommend going to, uh, to the continent because it is one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. There was such a deep like reverence where mm-hmm. I was at. And it was like the moment you got out there, it was it was a whole new experience. So I can't wait. We can't wait to hear and read about yes, uh, yeah. on you know, Instagram and everywhere else your journey uh, in Africa, because it's going to definitely be amazing. A lot has changed in travel, uh, in the travel sphere over the past two years. What changes do you think are here to stay? And are there any specific changes that took place in the Caribbeans that you think will stick around?
0: Well, on the good side, I think we've all we've come to realize, you know, I think we'd all taken for granted, taken travel for granted, the ability to just hop on, you know, decide this morning, hey, I'm going to go to the airport, hop on a plane and go. And the freedom with which we could move between countries, we took that all for granted. So one of the good things about the last two years is that we've been forced to recognize that travel is a privilege. A lot of people can't do it. And a lot of, there are a lot of working, moving parts that make it so that you can travel the world. Right. And so I think that hopefully we will, when we leave this pandemic behind, we will leave it richer in the knowledge that. Travel is special. Travel is something we have to preserve. It's something we need to do respectfully. We're not something we need to do thoughtfully and increasingly slowly, instead of just dashing through places and deciding, oh, I need to, this is country number 75, number 76, number 77. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of your states, I believe. I have no idea how many countries I've visited. It never even occurred to me to count. I'm not a country counter. But I can tell you about the experiences I've had particularly those centered around people that have made my life richer and has changed who I am as a person. So I hope that given what we know for the last two years, we'll move forward in that direction. Um, and what was the second part
1: of what you asked me? Yeah. things that are, that do you think will stick around in the Caribbean?
0: So here's the thing, the Caribbean has done really well in managing the pandemic, right? The islands are smaller, so we had effective contact tracing. We locked down quickly, and so with the result that we were able to open to tourists, I think um, by June. But what they have done, which I think is a great thing, is that all these countries have instilled entry procedures, COVID-related entry procedures. So you have to, you know, you can't do, take a spontaneous trip to the Caribbean anymore. You have to apply online for permission to enter. And permission to enter usually requires that you, some some islands you have to be vaccinated, like the Turks and Caicos, Cayman Islands. You, ha- you just can't go if you're not vaccinated. But even for those that allow non vaccinated visitors there's a protocol so you'll have to do a rapid test or you'll have to do a pcr test x number of days in advance you may or may not have to have travel insurance you may have to buy that travel insurance from the destination or show proof of your own but wow. all these things are really important safeguards i think for not just caribbean tourism but for the residents of the caribbean who are the people who are giving you this vacation of a lifetime and putting themselves at risk so i hope that we will We will see Caribbean countries continue to safeguard the health of not just the tourists who come to the countries, but the residents who live there. But I also would like it because I've traveled. I started traveling again in November 2020 for work, and I have probably had close to 60 COVID tests since then. And here's the thing. There are 30-something different islands of the Caribbean that we visit that have major tourism, and every single one has a different standard for what you need to get in. Hmm. Which is really confusing, even for a professional traveler like me. And they change all the time. So I would have to say that I hope that we can find some way to standardize all the entry protocols across islands so that you know that if you get into one, you know, your first Caribbean country, you need a PCR test within 72 hours and you must be vaccinated. And it's the same for everybody. Standardization of our
1: COVID protocols would be great. I love it. I love it. And so the last two questions. Uh, These are two questions that I ask everybody that are guests on our show. The first question is, what are you inspired to do, be, have in 2022? What am I inspired to do, be, and have in 2022?
0: Okay. Well, one of them, that part's easy. I chose a word for the year. I keep saying I'm going to do a vision board, but I chose a word for the year. And my word, which um, your listeners can't see, but it's on my little bracelet here, is flourish. I have decided that this year in 2022, I want to flourish. I want to come into the fullest expression of myself in all areas. So, professionally, of course, you know, I want to be on television as a Caribbean travel expert. So that's that's been a goal of mine for years. Maybe this is the year. Hopefully, this is the year that that comes true. Health wise, I love to run. I'm going to do the Miami Marathon in a couple of weeks and Brooklyn in April. So I want to keep exercising, keep moving my body because movement is a miracle. And, and, you know, you can be healthy at any size and movement is for everybody. So I feel strongly about that. So I want to be strong and healthy and feel good, feel fit. And what do I want to have? Well, I'm going to say I want to have my own gig on broadcast TV as a Caribbean travel expert. Yeah.
1: I love it. I love it. And last but not least... Can you give some words of encouragement to our audience? Yes.
0: You know, there is a big world out there and it's so very easy to get locked into our own stories and what's going on right now in our own small corner of the world. And the greatest thing to me about travel is it's so liberating you take a journey it's a physical journey but it is also an emotional journey for me every time i travel is a chance to reinvent myself to see myself in relation to new people to get to new people to take in all sorts of novel smells and sounds and sights and so i say to people don't be afraid to travel don't be afraid to travel on your own and don't be afraid to start small be a tourist in your own town Travel is worth it, whether you go 50 miles down the road, five miles down
1: the road, 5,000 miles across the world. Do it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah, I love you. You are amazing. Is there anything that you want to give a shout out to and where can people find you at?
0: Yes, I would love if everyone would follow me. I love to have people along for the ride. I mean, that's the best thing about social media, right? I practically live on Instagram, JetSet Sarah, with an H on the end. My website is jetsetSarah.com. I'm on Facebook at Jetset Sarah, Twitter at Jetset Sarah, and on YouTube. So you can find me everywhere. And I would love to have you along for the ride.
1: Well, thank you so much again for being on. You're amazing. I will have all her links in the show notes below. Y'all are incredible. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It was a real pleasure.
2: You just listened to Inspire 2022 with Jeff Jenkins, presented by Chubby Diaries. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcast. Catch our next episode on Tuesday at 5 a.m. Stay inspired, my friends.